Cold Stove Podcast. We are back. I am live from Austin, Texas. My name is Brett Merriman. I got my host, or excuse me, my co-host. You can host it if you want, NRD. But my co-host, NRD, NHL Rumors Daily from Parts Unknown beneath Gary Bettman's desk. Or actually, maybe you're at Gary Bettman's cottage this week. The background looks really nice. So, uh, NRD, how are you doing? Doing well. Uh, I don't. I took a break from from Gary's abodes, Casa uh, del Bettman, over the past to, couple. You went of over months. to Bobby Marge's house. He's he's more fun in the summer. Yeah, Bobby Marks is a treat. Um, Dragger, weirdly enough, doesn't have a cottage. He just has a studio apartment really? in, in oh. Toronto. He's a weird dude. Most eligible <laughs> bachelor in Toronto, Darren Dragger. Um, but no, it's been a fun summer. Um, obviously, nice time to to relax and not uh, be caught up in the weeds of the rumor world, especially how hectic it was this year. Still a couple of big names out there, still chasing those down, but excited to uh, excited to be back in the saddle with with my host, because you're the host. I'm you drive this ship, Brad. I'm all, I'm merely just along for the ride. Well, I, I try. You know, I do what I can, and and uh, we weren't really planning on taking much of a hiatus. You know, we we kind of had content to do, and we had a lot. You know, things were going on, so there was nothing. It wasn't like we uh, we needed to take off. And then, unfortunately, uh, my, my dad passed away uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, we knew it was coming. You know, battling cancer for a couple of years, and it kind of been touch and go for a little bit. And so I just kind of had to take some time to. But be with him, you know, and, and be with the family and kind of figure things out afterwards, get the paperwork done that nobody really tells you about. So uh, that's that's where I've been at, you know, the last couple of weeks. And but uh, back in Austin now, excited to get going and, and kind of it's a nice sort of distraction um, doing cold stove pot and talking hockey. And my dad was the one who introduced me to hockey and back in in, uh, you know, where I was born in Rochester, New York. Started playing hockey at three or four years old in Saratoga. Did a year in Vermont where Marty St. Louis was my coach, famously, as we've talked about on this podcast in the Summer League. Uh, I believe he was a Calgary Flame at that point. Maybe even a Calgary Flames prospect, but a former UVM Catamount. And then, uh, yeah, then played for, you know, 20-something years and still playing. Have our our Summer League championship Series game two tomorrow night, NRD. We lost game one, six five. Oof. Valiant's comeback by uh by the squad, but didn't fell, couldn't get it couldn't get it over. Fell a little short. Fell a little short. But that being said, happy to be back. Happy to be back with NRD, who's been uh who's been the man through this whole process and just kind of like, hey, I'm ready when you are. Let me know. I'm just kind of doing my thing. So happy to be be uh be back on with you, brother. And thank you to the fans who've reached out too and I uh, really appreciate it from from all angles. No, absolutely, and and I, you know, I kind of just wanted you to take the time, whatever you needed to do, and then you know, you had I read your blog yesterday, which definitely was was touching, and I quote tweeted it, and just we all got your support, the NRD Bomb Squad, the Cold Stove fans out there, we all love you, and uh, Pops raised a hell of a hockey fan, but even better friend and co-host. So I appreciate oh, it, pal. appreciate that. He was a good dude and a big fan of this podcast too. But uh, we'll move on from that. As he would have wanted to be like, yeah, I get this, get the sappy shit off. I want to talk hockey. So let's do just that NRD. We are in the, the I wouldn't say the thick of free agency. I think we're in the thick of college season. Yeah. Um, we People may be listening from Kelowna or Cabot Cliffs, uh, perhaps the West Coast. A guy who's got a new, uh, a new set of digs is Johnny Goudreau and also Matthew Kachuk. So if you're the Calgary Flames today, at their respective cottages, maybe Brad Trilliving kind of looking over what the summer has been about. He does have Jonathan Huberdeau now. Do you think that's sort of the biggest 
move of the last couple of years that's happened in the summer? And, and how did that whole situation come to be? Let's start at the very beginning with Johnny Goudreau uh, basically not going back to the Flames. So for those that have rocked with us for a while now, we – we had done. We did that Twitter space the day before free agency on on July twelfth. I think that's the last like content we did together. And we discussed on air that night. You know, Johnny Gaudreau obviously moving on from from Calgary, and he was going to hit the free agent market. I think things really escalated with the Calgary Flames moving on from Kachuk once that announcement came through. Obviously, Matthew Kachuk wasn't the type of player that was going to stay long term in Calgary. He had aspirations of playing back in the United States potentially like the St. Louis Blues where his father played for so many years. But um, I think that was set in stone, but just got a little bit more accelerated when Johnny Gaudreau ended up moving on, um, or at least moving on before he was even in Columbus, right? Because we'll get to that in a second, but just moving on from Calgary. Um, I alluded to it that night. I alluded to it that night. We can discuss. So around 10 o'clock, Right before the Malkin deal got done in Pittsburgh, I got a text from somebody that I trust, you know, absolutely holistically, very well connected. I put every dollar of my bank account behind the source that Gaudreau was fielding because, you know, there's tampering and then there's illegal tampering. Johnny Gaudreau knew what his market was going into July 13th. The night before, there were starting to be there were starting to become some whispers that the Pittsburgh Penguins were going to be the team that gets the Johnny Gaudreau deal done. Um, I think that's what excited Gaudreau, the possibility of not only leaving Calgary, but being able to play for a contender. He would have been happy to go, go to Pittsburgh. That was pre Malkin deal. So they did have the cap space to get it done. They probably would have, you know, hyperextended themselves and would have had to figure it out after the fact, but they were a team involved. We know about the devils. We know about the Islanders. And then, you know, for some reason, July 13th comes around free agency, the official start of free agency and Johnny Gaudreau starts to hold up a little bit. I think he really wanted to be in Philly. We we know that. He said that on the record. Philly simply didn't have the money to afford him. They didn't have the ability to spend what it would take to move JVR's contract. Anaheim wanted a couple of first-round picks to do so because when you tip your hand in this industry, GMs circle in the water like sharks. They knew exactly why Philly needed to move on from JVR's contract. So when the Philly thing fell through, I think that you know Gaudreau took a step back. New Jersey was offering a ton of money. He declines the money, and Columbus comes in and offers him the opportunity to play on a line with Patrick Laine. And I think that's what spoke the most to him. Johnny Gaudreau, I, I wouldn't say a, a weird guy, right? Because there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be in the spotlight, but I think Columbus suits him really well. He's the type of player that can go and be an all-star, but in a market that isn't as pressure-filled as Calgary or won't have the eyes on him 24-7. And it's not a slight to Columbus, just is what it is. So he ends up there. But yeah, things started really to shift that night when... When Tree Living comes out and says Johnny Gaudreau is going to be leaving the Calgary Flames, I think that got the ball rolling on the Kachuk front. Gaudreau started to field offers from other teams, and we're at where we're at now, where the Calgary Flames are in a position where two of their you know plus a hundred point guys that they've had in the past couple of seasons are no longer there, which is crazy. And it and it feels like like you get Hubert, who I love as a player. Don't get me wrong, and you you get Weegar, who uh, you know Matt Weegar, we've. Talked about on this podcast a lot. The Sabres made that phone call as well and uh, didn't have, I, I guess, just whatever happened with the deal. I don't ever really followed up on it because things started to go weird on the, the personal health front. Um, but I know they, they called on him and then he ends up going to Calgary, which everybody was like, he's not, he's not going from Florida. He's, you know, sorry, 
I, that was, that was real. Um, but I, what my, my, my larger point was, I'll back you up to Philadelphia and in the context of Goudreau, is that not the latest and most disappointing move in a series of incredibly disappointing moves? Like, I don't know who is worse this year, the Flyers or the Blackhawks and the Blackhawks are, are basically opening the Connor Bedard sweepstakes as the favorite. But Philly is trying to still have the guise of like, no, we're, we're a good team, right? So, you know, it's been a, a month and a half since we've kicked the Philadelphia Flyers while they're down, but I'm kicking them again. Am I wrong there? No, you're not wrong. And, and what's really sad, and it's a sad, sad state of affairs for the organization, is that Chuck Fletcher, you know, comes out there and says, we weren't in on Johnny Gaudreau, which is just you know, absolutely false. Johnny Gaudreau said he wanted to be in Philly. Like they had the conversation. That conversation was made. He's and, trying and to save face. You have to be. If you have you have JVR's contract for one more year at $7 million, that is basically getting you as far as you need to go on Gaudreau to make it work. How do you, and, and even if Anaheim's offering or, or needs two firsts, get Buffalo, get Arizona, get somebody involved that brings that price down. Correct. But you don't even that's not really all you needed to bring in Johnny Gaudreau. You really want to split hairs. I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Tony D'Angelo, Nick DeLaurier, those three, there's your Johnny Gaudreau money as well. You know, so right. So there was multiple paths to it. There were multiple pathways. And I think that it's a lack of foresight on the behalf of Chuck Fletcher back when the Rasmus Ristolainen deal went down because everybody here knows I love Rasmus Ristolainen. Game 7 Rasmus, one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. But you sign him then, you're automatically limited. That's 5.25 less than what you have going into the offseason. Then you bring in Tony D'Angelo and sign him to that, you know, that number as well. There's your 10 million right there. And two defensemen who let's be honest, you know, are not great. Can they help a contender? Like if you took Tony D'Angelo in his power play specialty or, or what he does really well, and that's move the puck and take away, you know, the off ice issues and you put him on a team like the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Tony Four, D'Angelo is fifth defenseman specialist, extremely valuable to a team like that. But to the Philadelphia Flyers who are struggling to produce any sort of exciting hockey over the past two seasons, is Tony D'Angelo what that Flyers club needs? No, he's a Philly guy, and they're trying to bring back the Broad Street bully image because, you know, Comcast Spectacle is trying to save their asses. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely right to kick Philadelphia right now because Chuck Fletcher lacked foresight way back when when he linked up Rasmus. Then he brings in Tony D'Angelo. Can't get rid of the JVR contract because he played himself into a hole, and teams knew exactly why he was trying to get out of, you know, that contract. They knew Goudreau was the prize. And then to cap it all off, signs another guy, Nick Delorier, who's – you know, what's he going to bring? What is Nick Delorier bringing? He, well, he brings exactly what he brings exactly what it, you know he brings, but it's not like they have, they, they don't have a, an Owen Power or a Rasmus Dahlin to protect. Like, like who's their young, absolute stud that can't hold his own? Like, Joel Farabee's 22. May, may, maybe that's him who, whether it's like Delorier, hey, go, go make Joel Farabee three inches taller type of thing. Or they, go make, uh, go make like, Bobby Brink? I don't like. I don't know who who are the young studs on that team that are are this young core that they need Delorier to come in and and be the the older brother. No, absolutely, teams. and that and I think that's the problem. You you sign three guys, and I'll include Rasmus in that. But if you really want to just talk the off season, 
science sites 2020. I mean, you could just talk Tony D'Angelo and Nick Delorier, two guys who very different in what they do, but very limited in what each do. They're very limited in their capacity and their role for a club that fits great on a contender when you can afford to have a fifth guy, fifth defenseman, like you said, that comes out there and plays the power play. But Tony D'Angelo is not going to eat minutes like the Flyers hope he's going to. And Nick Delorier is not conditioned enough to eat the minutes that the Philadelphia Flyers hope he's going to. And he's not skilled enough. So to sign those guys, just bewildering to me. I don't get it. And uh, I, I wonder how much time's left for Chuck Fletcher in, in Philly. I don't know if he's just biding time till till it's the end. Or I don't know what is left of his tenure with the Philadelphia Flyers as general manager. Yeah, I guess we'll see. That's one of those, you know, we, we talk about the Devils if things don't work out there. We talk about the Flyers if things don't work out there. There could be quick... Uh, quick changes, I guess, is sort of where I'm going with that. Now, Johnny Goudreau went to the Blue Jackets. We talked about Columbus. The His counterpart, Kachuk, went to Florida. Now, let's talk a little bit about, if you're Florida, what, what is, is giving you that sense of like, okay, we're, we're good, we, and we've stalled out the last couple of years. So why, why is it Huberdeau and Weger you know, for Kachuk more or less, right? There's there's obviously other pieces involved too. But why now and why Kachuk if you are the GM of Florida? It's really cliche and it's been said about 8 million times over the past month and a half, but Matthew Kachuk's a unicorn. I mean, the type of player he is, what he brings to your team is sometimes not even quantified, but the qualities that he can bring to a hockey club, especially a team like Florida that has underachieved, largely in part to... Besides this year, the shortcomings of Jonathan Huberto, you know, and, and I like Huberto. I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's going to go to Calgary and be real solid. But this year was really his big, big breakout year in the grand scheme of things. I mean, should have been a heart finalist. He wasn't because there were some better players in the league this season and McDavid, Shesterkin, and, and Austin Matthews who won it. But Huberto had a great year, but it was his first really, really, really great year. And, and that's why they've fallen short in the past. They didn't get it done this year with that core. Andrew Brunette is now, you know, behind the bench in New Jersey, waiting in the wings to take Lindy Ruff's job. That's going to happen sometime mid-November, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's all that was. That's all that's about. But I think it was a it was the right time for for Bill Zito and the Flames or uh, the, the Panthers organization to say, we can afford to make these moves because we fell short. Huberdeau is one of those guys who's been a heart and soul player for the team, but's fallen short in a lot of those years, like I just mentioned. Let's bring in a guy like Matthew Kachuk, who is so the way he plays the game is so anti-Florida Panthers hockey over the last four or five years. Let's change this up. Let's put him next to Sasha Barkov. Let's see what he can do on that first line and maybe bring a more physical edge to play today's style of hockey because that's what Kachuk is. Like I said, he's a unicorn. He plays a physical style of hockey, but is able to net 100 points a year. And we'll see what that does with an all-star center and Sasha Barkov at the pivot. Totally. I, I mean, I, if I'm Florida, that's, that's where I bring Delorier. Imagine Delorier on that. Like, that's a perfect fit. Plug and play. One of those missing pieces that when they play Tampa and you have Kachuk now and if, say you had Delorier, imagine, like, just pissing the fuck off out, out of Tampa. I, mean, I don't even know what, if that's a saying, but just, like, that's what that series yeah. – it's already chippy. But now there's a new energy. Did you see when, uh, when Kachuk was doing his presser 
he mentioned like i can't fucking wait to play those scumbags in tampa or something like that. yeah it was, it was like i hate it i hated edmonton but now i really really hate tampa yeah and, I, uh, I appreciate that knows exactly what he's doing i think that we should uh you know they have like the the manning cast and the, the yes. k-rod cast which yeah. i'm a fan of both by the way i think in game we just need to like watch a telecast that just has patty maroon and matthew kachuk mic'd up for a Panthers Tampa Bay I love that. They're, that's going to happen in, in hockey too. Of, of course it's going to happen in hockey. They're going to have ESPN's going to do I they might even be like announced. But whether it's like uh, whoever. I mean, I thought I thought Messier impressed last year. I thought Chelios did did well. They're going to have, you know, whether it's the missing curfew guys, you know, Biz is obviously on TNT and I could see that inside the NHL is already a great show. Mm-hmm. Um but there's going to be a hockey room like that. No doubt about it oh without and don't forget espn has the the rights to pk suban when he hangs him up so and he's still currently unsigned so pk suban will be joining uh bristol connecticut when he retires that's another option and if you really want to get deep 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 into the industry pk has a show called pk's places which is similar to peyton's places which is produced Mm -hmm. by peyton manning's production company omaha productions oh. that started the manning cast so pk's already signed to peyton manning's production company so maybe that's an avenue for the the suban cast maybe we'll get pk and, and mess and we'll bring in some guests and have pk call the game on espn but either way go. those alternate telecasts are fantastic i'm way off on a tangent of where i started with the whole kachuk <laughs> uh patty maroon thing but yeah let's let's tie this back into the florida panthers i i like it i like tying the uh I like little NRD connecting the dots in sports media there. He, he, it's not just hiding under the desk that he hears NHL things. He hears sports media things, too. Oh, I know what's going on. I got, I, I'm plugged in. He's got his ear to the ground. Um, let's talk about Matthew Kachuk's brother, Brady, and uh, the consensus sort of winners, I guess, if you could call it. You know, I hate doing, like, the winners and losers thing. It's very cliche as well. But it's the middle of August, and we need content. So, consensus winner. Of the offseason, the Ottawa Senators, NRD? Yeah. Tied. With? The Detroit Red, Red Wings, another team oh. in the Atlantic. Yeah, another team in the fucking Atlantic division. Love that for our, uh, our resident Buffalo Sabres fan here. <laughs> Sorry, but... No, I mean, I, I, I'm happy for Ottawa. They have obviously gone through a lot with uh, the death of the owner. Um, what's his name? Eugene Melnick. Eugene Mel- Melnick. Um, the departure of Michael Delzato obviously is big for everybody. <laughs> There's a, I said that with a smirk. Um, <laughs> but, you, you know, like that, that is a team that has been much like Detroit, kind of waiting in the wings a little bit. Like, is this going to be the year? Is this going to be the year? Is this going to be the year? Now, between Ottawa, Detroit, and, and uh, Buffalo, there's now some buzz around all three of those teams in the Atlantic. And, like, did you just loop? Buffalo in there thinking I wasn't going to notice. No, I just mean there's there's for the first time in a in a minute there's some no, some right. optimistic hype. You're right? absolutely right. There's young those are three young and exciting teams now that have pieces to work with, right? Like Buffalo. Yes. Buffalo has turned the corner. You're going to have those guys. Owen Power is going to have a full NHL season under his belt. Peyton Krebs is going to have a full NHL season under his belt. Jack Quinn, right? If I'm not mistaken, Jack Quinn's- Quinn is 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 projected to make the roster. Uh, solidly. Exactly. So you have guys there. Tage Thompson had a hell of a year last year. Like, if I'll tell you what, if Tage Thompson does it again, that's that's an expensive two years for the Buffalo Sabers, and I think they will be happy to pay it. JJ Paterka. Like, I can go on and on. So there is excitement with Buffalo, and I, I was just trying to give you a little 
little rib there because it's been a while, Brad. I haven't been able to do that in a couple of weeks, but no, there is excitement in the Atlantic Division. I think Detroit killed the offseason with what they did in terms of Andrew Kopp, who's a great, great player. I think you bring him into an area of this country that he's comfortable with in Michigan. Michigan man um, goes back home to Detroit, plays a great style of hockey that's going to mesh well with some of the younger guys they have there. Dylan Larkin, the leader of that team, has only got a year left on his contract. So mm-hmm. depending on what happens there in, in the next year or so, maybe at the deadline, maybe he's potentially a name that gets thrown around the deadline. You have a guy like Andrew Kopp, who's down to, now there for the next five years, that's locked down in Detroit and plays that style of hockey that Stevie Y grew up playing in those late 90s teams on the Red Wing. Like Andrew Kopp plays the game really, really well. He's physical. He's fast. He's shifty. Um, and he's the type of guy that you'd want on a club. So I think Stevie Y is doing a great job building the Red Wings, which we kind of all expected at Stevie Y. Yep. And then the well, Ottawa to, Senators. I mean, well, let me let me let me stand Detroit real quick. Then we'll go to Ottawa. But yeah. not to mention, you basically basically sign a free agent in Jakub Vrana, who's coming back off injury and is a hell of a hockey player. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like you don't even need to to do anything for that, and he just gets healthy. And then, but let me ask you on Philip Zadina, who is as of yet unsigned and an RFA, is that is that procedural more than anything, or is there real um, is there real bad blood there? I guess. No, I, I you know what's interesting is this year every every couple of years you hear the smoke on like a guy that's still an RFA and he's unsigned and the arbitration. Nothing this year. Even Jesper Brat, which we'll talk about New Jersey a little later, but even Jesper Brat got locked up. So if he got locked up, I don't think there's any you know bad blood throughout the rest of the National Hockey League with teams in their RFAs. Like you said, more procedural. It'll eventually get done. Um, and Stevie Y will, you know, complete what I think is a great offseason. Don't forget David Perron. Don't forget yeah. Vili Husso, who's their goalie and, of the future. And don't forget uh, Mark Pizik, noted locker room guy for the Sabres last year, who is, is is sort of the perfect 30-year-old defenseman to tie that room together. And I could see, like, he was I, – I can't I'm, – I'm honestly – I can't believe they didn't sign him in, in Buffalo because mm-hmm. he was sort of the locker room – gel that everybody sort of loved and, and kept that team going in and, a way. And Stevie Y knows, right? Like you look at oh, yeah. you look at the players that he brought in. I got I just pulled up the list in front of me. Ben Sherratt, Andrew Kopp, Evili Husso, Dominic Kubalik, David Perron, Oli Mata. All six of those guys are veteran players in the National Hockey League, you know, except for Vili Husso, that have had success in their careers. You have a lot of young guys in Detroit in that locker room. You bring in those five out of the six guys I just mentioned, especially a guy like David Perron, who can score at will and has done it everywhere he's played. You're starting to turn that page. You see that there's an opportunity here to compete for a wild card spot or at least creep into that number third, number three seed in the Atlantic. And Steve well, all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, too, the, the it's sort of a veteran team in yeah, a way. Absolutely. Like Bertuzzi, Larkin. Vrana, Kopp, Perron, Kubelik, Suter, um, Adam Ernie, and 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 Oscar Sunfist, all twenty six years old or above. Mm-hmm. Like that's no longer the young, you know, Detroit Red Wings. They have guys in the pipeline to replenish that with. But like, you look at their roster: Ben Sherratt, Oli Mata, Philip Ronick, uh, Jordan Nos. Like th- these guys are all veteran hockey players. Mm-hmm. Not to mention uh, uh, Fabry, who I th- I believe is coming back. Right. Who you know, I think he's going to be healthy this year at some point. So, so all of a sudden they go from the up and coming young guns in Detroit to like, oh shit, this is sort of a a veteran hockey team punctuated by guys like Mo Sider, who is a stud twenty one year old. Lucas Raymond, yeah, 
Absolutely. It moved to Strayman, exactly. Simon Edmondson, too, uh, one of my favorite defensemen from that draft, who is, I believe, going to be like a next year guy. Maybe not this year. We'll see. Um, but let's move over to the team that I started this conversation with, and that is the Ottawa Senators. Consensus, uh, according to NRD, tied for best offseason so far. They bring in guys like Cam Talbot. They bring in guys like Alex Dabrinkit. They bring in guys like Claude Giroux. Just those three, and you have a not you have an out of the park off season. They might bring in a guy named Jacob Chikrin. Well, please elaborate. No, I, it's no secret that the Auto Centers are extremely interested in, in Jacob Chikrin, and they've continued to try over the past couple of months and weeks and months. So far, they haven't been able to agree on a deal, but I think that once the season gets going again, Arizona will look to make that move. Um. The good news about the Debrinka trade is that it didn't really exhaust all of Otto's assets that they have. They're able to afford a Jacob Chikrin move, and that's the most important thing to get that deal done. You add him onto a blue line with Thomas Shabbat, and I think you're set. And I think Ottawa, for the reasons you just mentioned, tied for my offseason winner, um, no secret there. You bring in a veteran in Claude Giroux who gets to play back in Canada, probably going to be more comfortable there. Brady Kachuk is an all-world player. We know that. Drake Batherson, really solid player. We'll see what happens with him. Um, I know there's some legal questions there. Um, his involvement in the Hockey Canada situation, but mm-hmm. you know, I'll reserve judgment just to say when healthy and when available, he's a great player. Shane Pinto coming into his own in the National oh, Hockey yeah. League. Like they have players there in Ottawa and they're a team that's going to get dangerous in the next year. So even if this year isn't their time yet, as it takes a little while for everybody to matriculate and gel together, down the line that's a team that's going to be dangerous. And you forgot about the guy going into his is sort of his third year, who arguably the most exciting player on that team and Tim uh, Tim Stutzler. Stutzler, absolutely. So you all of a sudden have a team that's at worst scary, young, and competitive, and at best, fighting for a playoff spot. Absolutely. So they're a team like you don't want to go play them, or you don't want Ottawa to come into your town after you played Toronto last night at home and you got Ottawa coming in now fresh and ready to go. You know, they they don't have the best home rink situation, not yet at least. Mm-hmm. I know we are a uh, an arena development podcast as well as hockey news and notes. Shouts to Arizona. Um, Austin, the Austin Coyotes, the Austin Coyotes, future Austin Coyotes. But that's just, it's an exciting team. And they're obviously Pierre Dorian is like, wait, we're going to go for it. Maybe not like go, go for it. We're not signing Gino Malkin, right? But Claude Giroux is Gino Malkin. But Claude Giroux is Gino, right? Yeah. Yeah, bring it, bringing them home. Exactly. So at the very least exciting, much like this team that I'm about to talk about, that's the Buffalo Sabres. Okay, NRD, you knew I had to carve out a couple minutes. Hey, you know what? You deserve all the time you need on the Buffalo Sabres. I know it's been a while. You've been Jones in the talk Sabres hockey. Forgive me. Um, I like what they're doing right now. I'm just going to – I want to throw that initially, okay? I like what they're doing. I don't love everything they've done. I don't love the trades that, that they didn't make at the deadline still. I know everybody's like, oh, like fourth, sixth round pitch for Cody Eakin. Like, yeah. I get it. They could have gotten the fourth rounder that they packaged up for a sixth rounder to move up and grab somebody like in that and not pick a goalie at 41. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but they re signed Victor Olofsson to a perfect deal. 
my only complaint is that it's not three years. It's two years. Fine. Um, they bring back uh, Riley Shane, locker room guy. Okay? They bring in Ilya Labushkin. Physical, nasty defenseman. Buffalo's going to love him. He is about as, as offensively as, as effective as myself if I were in the National Hockey League. Um, but he's, an, he's a, a brick wall on defense. So we need some of that because we have plenty of guys who can play with a puck. And then last but not least, Eric Comrie, goaltender from Edmonton with a very good record last year, a very good save percentage last year, and finally getting an opportunity. In the, in the National Hockey League to be at the very least a 1B mm-hmm. to Craig Anderson. And I'd argue sort of a 1A because Craig Anderson is 41 years old. And then, NRD, just, just to, to throw a little cherry on the top of the Buffalo Sabres, Larry Pilot, Lawrence Pilot, comes back from the KHL on a two-way deal basically saying that, hey, I like this team now. I don't like Phil Housley. I don't like Ralph Kruger. They're gone. I like the direction where this team's headed. And boom. Now, the biggest problem with the Buffalo Sabres is they can't sign their prospects because there's nowhere to go on the depth chart. Ryan Johnson won't be signed. Well, at least if, if I think is what's going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Devin Levi's going to sign in the spring after Northeastern's done. Eric Portillo and Ryan Johnson, though, both heading into that crucial fourth year of rights. And probably their not you know, best prospects is, is the wrong word. They have, they have other drafted guys, but like, their their most NHL ready prospects outside of a Devin Levi. Mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson's not going to come here. He's going to take the the the. I'm going to wait and see. If you want to trade me, trade me. If they don't trade him, they get a uh, compensatory second rounder, I believe. Correct. I don't know what they get on Eric Portillo, but point being is that I would expect those guys to either be traded or just kind of you, you hang on to them and hope and see if you can make something work out. Uh, the one remaining concern I have is they have not signed RFA Uko Pekka as of today. Which is a... Again, procedural, potentially. Is it... Let me ask you this, though. Is it scary if you know that he probably isn't the goaltender of the future in Buffalo anyway at this point? Well, that's... I mean, that's what they're telling him. They're like, hey, like, you're... I'm sure Uko Pekka wants... He has a very good save percentage in the NHL. He has a winning record in the NHL. So he's saying, I'm a goalie like Eric Comrie who's just never been given an opportunity. And the Buffalo Sabres are saying, well, you get hurt all the time. Your sample size is effectively zero. And we, you know what we have coming up behind you? So like, why do you, you we're not going to give you five years, $4 million. We're just not going to do that. So I, if I'm UPL, I take a one-year prove-it deal. Makes sense. Go get healthy. Go save every puck in Rochester. And here we go. If I'm the Sabres, works for me too, obviously. If I'm UPL and I really want to get my money's worth, give me two years, I'll do a two-way deal, and I'll go, let me go save pucks in Rochester. And then trade me if you if Levi's really the guy. Mm. So it'll it'll get done, I'm sure. But I'm sure that's the impasse is like sample size is small. And you get hurt all the time. It's like the, what are we uh, supposed to do with that? It's like that uh, the now famous Family Guy meme. It's like the mystery box of the boat. Like UPL is the mystery box, mm-hmm. and then Portillo and Levi are the boat. And you kind of right. feel really good about the boat, but the mystery box could be anything. Could be, and, and you know what? Could be a boat. 
UPL, right, exactly. UPL, everybody kind of, you know, I, I listen to a lot of Sabres podcasts, like shouts to the guy at, you know, after the whistle, obviously with Craig and, and Petey. Um, Maintenance Day is another really good one with Joe Yurden and Lance Lysowski and then Expected Buffalo with Chad D. Domenices and, and Anthony Chandra, also a very good podcast. And, and there's more too, um, but those are the ones that, that come immediately to mind. UPL is kind of talked about as this sort of dead asset. Like, oh, man, he gets hurt all the time. We, we, you know, he's good. He's, he's talented, but we don't, you know, he's not the OHL MVP anymore. And it's like, you know what? What if he is? What if he's finally healthy enough to play 80 games? He's not going to, right? He's going to play 60, whatever. But, but healthy if enough. He can, if, he can, if he can be the guy and then Anderson gets dinged up because he's going to. He's 41 years old. I have no no delusions that Craig Anderson's going to play 60 games for the Buffalo Sabres this year. And UPL comes up and goes like 10 and two with like a 211 and maybe like a 918, 920. Hang on a second. And then that's we a good problem to have. Things. It's a great and problem. And that's a very good problem to have. Right, exactly. And that's what the Sabres are sort of in doing this so methodically, the rebuild, I mean, they're setting themselves up with very good problems to have, potentially, right? Mm -hmm. It's a it's a really a make it or break it year for Casey Middlestad, but it's a good problem to have because his contract's only two and a, two and a half million dollars. Tage Thompson, same thing. He's making uh, one point four this year as a forty goal scorer. Steal. Good problem to have. If he regresses, which Chances are he will. Then right? he's making one point, whatever, and it's fine. He's making one point four, yeah. and then he's going to make it a lower contract. If he goes off this year, here's eight million bucks. Can't wait to pay you. Salary cap's jumping up ten million bucks in three years anyway. We're fine, mm -hmm. and he's a franchise one C. Jeff Skinner, same kind of deal. Guess who's back? Jeff Skinner's back. I don't want to say he's justifying $9 million, but it's certainly not the, the 1.2 in production that he did two years ago. So, like, they're a team of good problems to have. And then you look at Krebs and Quinn and Paterka coming in. Power. Darlene's got another year under his belt. You get a guy like Pilot in the lineup now. Matias Samuelson. Nobody's talking about Matias Samuelson, but guess what? He could be the best defenseman on the Sabres this year. So there's just like the one thing after another, and, and not everything has to go perfectly for them. And it like won't. Tage, I mean, that's just Tage not can, how Right. Yeah. Tage can regress. I personally think Jack Quinn's going to have a slow start because he's still not a big guy. Really good shot. He'll, he'll put up power play points. But he's going to get muscled off the puck, and people are going to be like, where the fuck is Jack Quinn? And then he's going to learn and grow and learn and grow. And Alex Touch going to show him how to control the puck and use his body. And... uh Vinny Hemistroge is going to show him how to control the puck and use his body. And then a guy like Dylan Cousins, right? Sort of the, what is Dylan Cousins going to be in this hockey league? He came in, he was fucking beating the shit out of people. Ryan Lindgren on the, on the, uh, on the Rangers. Mm -hmm. Cousins' first fight behind the net. And everybody's like, holy shit, this is a future captain, right? And he could be that. Then he can't finish right now. Regressed but a little bit, but... Yeah, regressed in the way that he's not he's just not putting up points but he's in the right spots mm -hmm. which is in the nhl it's half the battle especially at 21 years old the finishing can come he can work on that he can get bigger he's already got the frame for it 
He's got the speed for it. He's always kind of been a little bit of a giraffe with the skates, like, like sort of a Tage mm-hmm. who has to grow into his body before he becomes an elite hockey player. And Tage Thompson was an AHL guy two years ago at, at 20, uh, like 24 years old. So, like, Tage is just about to hit prime year. It's, it's, that's why I get so excited about this team, even though it's kind of like, the, well, Brett, hold your expectations. I'm just saying that not everything has to go right for this team to be very, very good. No, you're right. They're in a great spot. And anybody, listen, anybody at home that thinks this is lip service, Brett smiles about from earlobe to earlobe right now talking about this hockey club, which I'm a little like pump, sure, pump the brakes, but throw yeah. a little, let's throw a little water, not not water, but just let's let's tame that that open flame a little bit. But no, there's they have a lot of exciting things to come. You hit all the high notes, so I'm not going to act like I know Buffalo Sabres hockey more than you, but I will say this: you had the good problems that you talk about, and I know you know this. I'm just kind of going to lead things into that way because that's more in my lane they have assets to play with if a lot of these problems turn out to be good problems you have assets on the open market for the next not patrick line now because he's locked up long term but the next patrick line to hit the market the next matthew kachuk to hit the market the next jacob chikrin to hit the market you now have those assets in place and that's huge 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 when you're trying to contend because good teams add at the deadline look at eventual Stanley Cup winners this year. The, Chicago, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were I thought you were predicting. No, no, look at last like, year's <laughs> look at this past year's eventual Stanley Cup winner, the Colorado Avalanche. They had they had added at the deadline with the assets that they had. Look at a team that went to the final four, the New York Rangers. They added with the assets that they have. Those good problems aren't necessarily just good problems to be like, oh, we have the money to afford you now. The good problem is you have assets and you have that flexibility to make those moves now because you know that for every guy that hits his stride in Buffalo that might not be there long term, you have that next man up and you have assets. So they are in a great spot. And it's like I said, it's not just lip service. I think you're spot on with the prospect of what the Buffalo Sabres could be. Now, I'm going to bring you back down to earth a little bit. It could always go haywire because it's the Buffalo Sabres. Of course. But of course, there's reason to be more optimistic than years before with this hockey club. Agreed. I think that's a fair uh, a fair assessment of our friends in Buffalo. Let's do a little uh, a little whip around, shall we? Just 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 to get the blood flowing. Absolutely. Uh, the Boston Bruins get the band back together. NRD. Are you surprised? One and two. What does this mean for them moving forward? It means people really didn't like Bruce Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> David Krejci. Came back from his vac- year-long vacation in the Czech Republic, Czechia, as they call it, Czechia, Czechia, Czech Republic. We'll get there one one of these days. Um, Krejci comes home, and Patrice Bergeron's back for another year. Probably going to be his last, if I had to guess. I think they're going to give it one more go at, after Stanley Cup. But these players are buying back into the system. I think they hit a home run with Jim Montgomery. I love Monty. I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. They are going to be a good team again this year. People didn't think that they were going to make the playoff run. Now, granted, they got bounced in the first round because they ran into a great hockey club in Carolina, but people didn't think they were even going to get that far in the pre- in the preseason expectations of last year. I think Boston will be back. They're a good team. Taylor Hall will continue to produce. I think he, he had a very, very hot start when he was traded there from Buffalo. I think he came back down to earth a little bit this past season, but... You make that trade, you bring in Pavel Zaka, who's a great player. I think 
didn't work out in New Jersey for his own reasons and also the Devils being the Devils of the last three or four seasons. Gets a fresh start in, in Boston. He could potentially be that guy at the three C spot for them, or you know two C. We'll see where we'll see where really David Krejci lands. I think that's the biggest question mark. See how NHL shape he's in, where he fits into that lineup in the center position. But Zach is another opportunity there um, for a number two or number three C. So Boston's going to be all right. I think they're going to have one more year before they have to really make those tough decisions. And it doesn't hurt when you have a younger goalie, Jeremy Swayman, who's really, really solid. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, The Ducks are a team out west. We talked about teams in the east. The Ducks are a team that uh, they've added some pieces too. And we kind of always wonder what what the deal with the Ducks is. They're going to make the playoffs this year. Oh, okay. They, They added that many pieces. Well... Ryan Strom is Ryan Strom, and enough New York fans have seen Ryan Strom over the past <laughs> couple of seasons to be like, all right, we're done with Ryan Strom. The sure. Ryan Strom experiment has ended. You know, thank you for your service here for the New York Rangers. Time to move on. We wish you best in your future endeavors. Um, but Ryan Strom is going to be a good piece there. They lost Ryan Getzloff. I'm not saying Strom is the leader that Getzloff is, but Strom is the veteran center that could come into that club and play alongside a myriad of different wingers and fit well there. I mean... He's not going to have the elite talent of Artemi Panarin on his wing, but Strom was able to produce with Panarin there. So if you could put a guy on the, alongside of him that could produce at the clip close to Artemi Panarin, Strom will be all right because he'll be able to get that player the puck and he'll make plays happen at the pivot position. You bring in Klingberg, one-year, $7 million deal. Clearly, mm-hmm. the prospects of that deal say, hey, if we're out of this, he's a very tradable asset at the deadline. And I think Pat Verbeek made a very smart play there by bringing in a guy like Klingberg. They can afford it. And now we set ourselves up to get a first-round pick at the deadline if things don't go well for us by then. But you know what? You have a full season of Mason McTavish ahead. You have another year. Yeah, I was literally just going to say, he might be my favorite prospect in hockey right now. Yeah, absolutely. More than Jack Quinn. Maybe maybe up there with like an Owen Power in my my brain, Mm -hmm. my Sabres brain. Mason McTavish... I've been watching him in the World Juniors, and that was a, one of my whip-around questions is, have you been watching the World Juniors? No. But Mason McTavish is electric, man. And he's playing with Connor Bedard, so I, sure. But that dude is a hockey player. Mm-hmm. And I think they get him for a full year this year. You have him for, for a full season this year. So I don't know. I'm just saying, don't count out the Anaheim Ducks. I thought at one point they were going to be in play for Gino Malkin if he hit the free agency market. I don't think they would have coaxed Gino Malkin out to the West Coast. I think mm-hmm. that if Gino hit the free agent market, he was bound for the New York Rangers. That's just a hunch. I don't have anything concrete there. But just knowing what they did with Vinny Trocek, and we'll we'll touch base on that in a second here in the whip around, but I think Malcolm's your mark for the New York Rangers or the Boston Bruins. But still, like Anaheim was looking to make moves this offseason, and I think they're going to continue to make moves. I think if you're Anaheim, the only thing precluding them from contending again, I think they need one more piece on that blue line. That makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. I think sense. Jamie uh, Drysdale's a little undersized. I'm going to leave it at that. I think they need one oh, more piece. Okay. Ollie will be sure to forward this to uh, Drysdale HQ. Little undersized, huh? Uh, let's talk about the Rangers then, shall we? Strom is gone, finally. They they say that Ryan Strom has been the most mentioned trade piece outside of uh, like Matt Dumba for the last three, four years, right? Mm-hmm. So now he's gone. And RD, everybody in New York can can relax, take a seat, 
eat their popcorn, go catch a Billy Joel show at MSG because Strom is no longer there. Okay, so now that leaves us with a New York Rangers team that's more or less looks very similar to last year's team. They didn't do a whole lot, and you're kind of banking on, or is it? Is it going to be the Shesterkin year two? It, does he keep up with that? Is Braden Schneider a dog? Is is Sammy Blade going to come back healthy? Like, what are the questions for this New York Rangers team right now? With it, with a team that, by all accounts, very successful last year, went to the Final Four, and and is kind of running back the squad. Yeah, I mean, the Trocheck, I think I included was one of those, you know analysts, if you will, out there that said, what are they doing? They're giving Vinny Trocek seven years. It's kind of preposterous if you think about it. But, you know, the more I dug it into it and the, and the few people I talked to in the organization that are willing to talk and can talk, I don't think Chris Jury cares about the seven years because yeah. A, the cap's going up and B, I don't think Chris Jury has a job in two or three seasons if the Rangers don't win a Stanley Cup. Okay. That's kind of the sense that I got when I spoke to some that are familiar, not in the inner workings of the organization, but familiar with the thinking of the organization. I think Chris Jury knows that he has to win a Stanley Cup in the next two years or so. The team is ready to compete. You are going to have to pay a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money to Alexi Lafreniere and Keandre Miller next year. You have to pay them to combined a lot of freaking money. And you're paying Adam mm-hmm. Fox $9.25 million. And you're paying Mika Zibanejad now. And Igor Shosturkin, while he signed a sweetheart deal because things were still a little like, what is Igor Shosturkin in a full season? Well, guess what? Now he's the number one goaltender in the world for this past year. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. Shosturkin, like 5.6 for another three years. I think that's good for both player and team. Like 5.6 is is a good hockey goal. I know there's the 10s and 9s and that people But are if he's play. really good, if he's Henrik Lundqvist good, and you're still on the cusp and haven't won the Stanley Cup, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money, too. Well, his, I was going to say, his next contract is going to be so problematic for whatever team yeah. signs him because he's going to want seven years, he's going to want $10 million, and he's going to be 30 years old. So that's And like, that, what do you do in that? That's point? kind of my point. Was like, I don't think Chris Jury really cares about the seven years of any Trocek with a 9.25 to Adam Fox or the ridiculous money that he's dishing out because... He's saying my team is built for the next three years. Yeah, and if I don't, and anything after that can be somebody it's else's somebody problem. Else, it's going to be somebody else's problem because I'll tell you right now, James Dolan's going to sell both the Knicks and the Rangers. We heard that on CNBC like two days ago. Once mm-hmm. they finish this uh, spaceship concert venue that he's trying to build out in the Vegas Strip, it's over for the team. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool, but it, it's one of those things that the renderings look a lot better than the yeah, the construction photos. Yeah, they're trying to build the Epcot ball in, in Vegas. It's basically <laughs> what they're trying to do. Um, but once that's complete, the CNBC reported that Dolan's going to sell a team. A new owner's going to come in. He's going to, from the top down, address everything in the organization. And if they're not a Stanley Cup champion by then, don't you think they get – I mean, Gerard Gallant's not going to be the head coach of that club. And if Gerard Gallant's not the head coach, you're going to give Chris Jury another coach hire? You're just going to say, hey – we're gonna move on. We're gonna we're gonna end this era of the, the New York Rangers organization. And that I think is what happened with the Vinny Trocheck deal. So I at one point was like, what are they doing seven years? Now I'm like, seven years don't matter because it's really, in theory, a three-year contract for this iteration of the New York Rangers hockey club. Totally. And I think that that's where you, the Rangers you, are at. You guys heard it here first. NRD has fired Chris Drury in twenty twenty five. 
proactively, because retroactively, <laughs> pre- proactively, I have fired Chris Jury if the Rangers don't win a Stanley Cup by 2025. How about a guy who might get fired in 2022 and Lindy Ruff? What happened with the Devils? And did you feel like a little bad when uh, Fitzgerald was was talking uh, about trying to sign guys? And they're just like, man, just it just didn't happen. Just couldn't get it. Yeah. I was like, oh man, this poor guy. I almost, I, I did actually feel bad, and and I really like Tom Fitzgerald, and he he seems like a great dude. He's an awesome dude, and I think that you can't really blame him. I mean, I'm sure there's some blame to go around, but from everything, like the Peter Laviolette situation that went on a couple of years ago, that was Harris Blitzer, the organization. Peter Laviolette was agreeing to becoming the next head coach of the New Jersey Devils. Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment did not want to sign the paycheck that Peter Laviolette wanted from the New Jersey Devils organization. Laviolette goes in a different direction to Washington. So they, like, that, absolving that, Johnny Gaudreau, Fitzgerald had the money to do so. He offered that money to Johnny Gaudreau. Like, you can't fault the general, like, you know what I mean? Like, he did, yeah, he like, did all, he, yeah, what are you going to do? You don't. Like, yeah, like you can't, he put up the best offer and it was matched and he went else. It's like, well, fuck. Exactly. It's not a, you know, Chuck Fletcher. Hey, I don't have the money because I screwed myself and shot, you know, the organization in the foot over the past six months. And now Mm -hmm. I got to dig out of this hole that I built because of my salary cap situation to sign Johnny Gaudreau. The the devils were like, no, we have 10, 10.65. Here you go. Um, And Johnny Mm -hmm. Gaudreau was like, no, I don't want your 10.65. Now, macro level can you say it's an indictment on the team that tommy fitzgerald's put on the ice over the past couple of seasons maybe but he's drafted really really well i love sam oskevich jack hughes is an all-star i I mean let's let's not get that mistaken he's probably you said mason mctavish mason mctavish is your most exciting prospect in the league i think jack hughes Mm -hmm. is my most exciting young gun in the national hockey league i love jack hughes i think he's fantastic if 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 kale mccarr is like graduated to the next level It's it Hughes is is very much atop that list. Hughes is there. You bring in his brother, right? You have Luke. You drafted really well again. Northeastern. Let's go Huskies. Go Huskies. You bring in Simone Nemec this year. Like the Devils have drafted really, really well. They've thrown the money that's needed to be thrown out there. Unfortunately, it didn't come home, you know, to harvest in, in Johnny Gaudreau's situation. But they signed Dougie Hamilton. And he took a leap of faith by bringing mm-hmm. in P.K. Subban when P.K. Subban was still pretty decent coming out of Nashville. So, like, Tommy Fitzgerald has tried. I really did feel bad, especially when he goes into how him and his, and his son, his son roommate, was his, was Gaudreau's roommate. It was like that's, you know, it's, it's almost like a too brute kind of moment yeah, for, for the New no Jersey doubt. Devils. But I, but for the for Devils fans out there, let me give you a ray of hope here because I'd imagine this year doesn't go great. And then... You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine forwards, and one, two, three defensemen that are RFAs or UFAs after this season. So this team will have its core of Hughes, Heischer, Andre Palat now, um, Hamilton, and and good old John Marino. They'll have they'll have a young head coach that you know had and some. And they'll success have a young head Andrew coach Burnett. that sort of. That's sort of ready to take this team and say, okay, we have a core. Let's build around them. Yeah, they're going to be in a good spot. And that that's why I like Tommy Fitzgerald. He knows what he's doing. I think he does. He knows what he's doing. Uh, another guy that knows what he's doing is Lou Lamarillo. Is one of the things that he is doing uh, signing Nazem Kadri at RD? 
Yeah. Um, I think that like, I can't provide anything more to the conversation than, than what's already out there. Frank Saravalli reported that the Islanders have offered seven by seven. I hate to do it because I know I'm going to take a lot of shit from Islander fans. I don't love the move. I don't think Nazem Kajis with the New York Islanders are missing. Uh, not a guy that had a career year at 32 years old and is, you know, a glorified 3C that can play up with a two, as a 2C with talent. Because I don't think the Islanders have that talent. Because if you bring in Nazem mm-hmm. Kadri, you know who's walking out the other way? Anthony Bavillier, who's probably one of your more offensive-minded forwards. So like in a in a, on a team that there aren't many there aren't outside many. I mean, of Barzell have, and Bavillier. Yeah, Barzell, Bavillier, you have um Oliver Wallstrom. But like you don't you know what I mean? Like honestly, gritty leader. Brock Nelson, gritty leader, Josh Bailey, gritty leader. You know, I could go on and on. Like so you bring in a No, they're missing they're missing their biggest gritty leader in uh uh who went to Seattle? Jordan wants his Everly. Everly. Yep. Well, who I, was, I mean that's well not even gritty leader like Jordan Everly was probably the most offensive minded player in the New York Islanders for quite some time too. So like you don't have the type of guys that need to play with a Nazem Kadri to bring Nazem Kadri to that next level like he did in um Colorado. And that's what concerns me. He's thirty two, seven years, it's gonna push him to thirty nine years old. Now is Lou mm-hmm. another GM that's like I really don't give a shit because I know my time is coming to an end here eventually on Long Island. Maybe, but like, well, you know, is it a good deal? Yes. Based on the numbers last year. I just don't, I don't think Nazem Kadri is the missing piece for the New York Islanders. I don't know if he's going to make as much of an impact as I think some Islander fans are like, yes, we got the big fish in free agency. We're going to bring in Nazem Kadri. So it's not like a bad thing. I'm not like, oh, that's horrible. I just don't think it's the move they need to make, especially with the supplemental moves that are going to come alongside with it. You know? We shall see. A very, very, very interesting season coming up. Um, I think kind of the plan for Cold Stove NRD, unless you have anything else that you want to touch on offseason-wise right at the No, moment. I think we're going to the NHL offseason. Kind of just spend the last couple of minutes setting the scene for the folks out there. Exciting things oh, to yeah. come. We are not leaving Twitter. We're not leaving the podcast space either, as far as I'm concerned, unless... Brett wants to spring something on no, me no. in the next five minutes. No, no. I think uh, I think the plan will be to pick it up big time um, in September. So probably like look for no no episode next week. Maybe not the weekend after. I you know I have a Myrtle Beach golf trip for uh, for Labor Day and you know a, a wedding in Newport, Rhode Island the weekend after that. So probably like that mid September. We're gonna pick this thing up, and then it's then then it's pedal to the metal. Absolutely, we have, and I can't wait. And we have, you know, we tease this. Obviously, you know, circumstances precluded us doing a couple more episodes for the rightful reasons over the past couple of weeks. We do have a very big guest that we're gonna have on the podcast very soon. Um, you know, somebody, a couple of them. To, I like to call myself the People's Insider. Maybe this guy that we're gonna bring on is the People's Insider, the King of Insiders. You could say that, NRD. I am excited. Uh, for the next couple next couple weeks of summer, enjoy the cottage life. Uh, everybody out there, enjoy the last couple of weeks of summer if you have the opportunity to. Uh, and if you're just grinding, get ready because hockey's hockey's coming back soon, man. sooner than you think. Real, real, real soon. I'm very excited. NRD, that's going to mm-hmm. do it for us on Cold Stove Podcast. Where can the folks find you right now? On Twitter at NHL Rumors Daily. I am not leaving. My last thing of note for this episode. Hmm. Give me Willie Z to go back to back at the BMW Championship. Ooh, okay. I need to put my picks in today. 
just thinking about that right this second. I'm cold, and by cold, I mean I'm over the last two after going like six six for eight. I mean, we've had my, success uh, on this podcast with the golf picks. Oh, yeah. A ton of success. I think that with the monkey off the back of Willie Zalatoris not being able to win a tournament, and he's playing, he's, you know, he's the number one putter on the number one putter in the world, self-proclaimed. I dude, he he has a new caddy too. Imagine getting the opportunity to caddy on Zalatoris's bag and he's like 24, 25, whatever he is, and he's a stud. Mm-hmm. That's gotta be the best job in the world. He, somebody's like, oh my god, I just got Zalatoris's bag. And his caddy, all the credit in the world to that tournament went to his caddy for talking him out of hitting a ball off of like paving stones mm-hmm. uh on, mm-hmm. on Sunday this past week. Because I think Willie Zalatoris wanted to play that golf ball. I think it was his caddy who talked him a couple of shots in that playoff. For the yeah. golf nerds out there that watched, a couple shots in that playoff, his caddy talked him out of. And if that's what Smart Willie guy. Z needs, then I'm I'm the biggest Willie Z stand there is, as the young kids say. There you go. There you go. All right, NRD. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman. We are Cold Stove Pod at Cold Stove Pod. Let's get ready for another season of NHL hockey. I'm excited. NRD's excited. We'll see you guys next week. See you. Ish. 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 Don't hold us to that. See you guys.